right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. Got another pod on deck where it's just me and you, and we got some basketball to discuss. Got a lot of thoughts on Creighton and their situation and a thought on Nebraska basketball. Uh, a couple of thoughts on Nebraska basketball. I'm going to get into that at the end of the pod. But I want to start with Creighton. And, it, you know, as we're, we're about a week or so removed from the Ryan Nemhard news that he has officially hit the transfer portal and is leaving. And as for me, as the dust has settled around that event, my mind has, has kind of shifted a little bit. And rather than just hyper-focus on just filling that starting point guard spot left by Ryan Nemhard, I, I think where I'm at is Creighton has a real opportunity. Creighton's got a real opportunity here with three scholarships to give and the core of their team, a team that just was in the elite eight still, at least as of today is intact. They got a real opportunity to bolster their roster collectively. You know, I said in the, the season, uh, the Creighton season in review pod, that I, I thought some of Creighton's biggest issues were depth, consistent three point shooting, as well as you know strength, physicality, overall athleticism as well. But I think it's sometimes it's hard to add those things in the short term right now, based on what's in the portal and what the reality is and that, you know, Creighton's kind of full right now with fours and fives, which is where the main source of your physicality comes from. But in my opinion, Creighton really lacked depth, bench production, and consistent three-point shooting, the big one being depth. So if we kind of operate from that point and we stop and kind of reset everything and reset the moment, I know it is frustrating and not ideal that Creighton has lost Ryan Nemhard. And it's easy to just get laser-focused on that. But Creighton has a real chance in this moment, and it's happening fast. These things happen fast. But they got a real opportunity here to really improve their roster and, most importantly, address one of their biggest issues and shortcomings and weaknesses, which is depth, real bench production. Since the end of the season, since that foul call on Ryan Emard and Tremel for San Diego State went to the line and made a free throw in the Elite Eight, since the end of the season, Creighton has lost four players to the transfer portal. John Christopoulos, Ben Stolzberg, Sharif Mitchell, and, of course, Ryan Nemhard. Now, not to be insensitive, but the only major contributor of those four guys that I just listed off is Ryan Nemhard, right? Stolzberg barely played. Sharif Mitchell didn't play a ton off the bench. You know, John Christophilus was redshirting, never played a minute for Creighton. The only major contributor was Ryan Emhart. So I'm trying to, like I've said here, I'm trying to kind of reshape my frame of mind and frame of thinking for Creighton. 
Rather than kick and scream in the moment that, you know, Ryan Emhart has left. Oh, my God, what is going on? How could this happen? How could a two-time starter leave or a two-year starter that's got a, you know, a, the ball in his hands and a chance to go to the Elite Eight or a chance to go to the Final Four again next year potentially? Rather than, than focus on that, I think the way that I'm going to look at this is not only does Creighton obviously have to find a replacement at that point guard spot, but I look at it like this. Creighton's got four scholarships to really fill out the roster, address some specific areas of needs, and bolster up that rotation. In some ways, they got four scholarships to fill one major player void and then obviously address some other areas. So with those four open scholarships, Creighton has already filled one with 6'10 redshirt freshman from Grand Island, Virginia transfer, Isaac Trout. And Trout could address three-point shooting. He's a very capable three-point shooter, and he's big. Creighton lacks some size and physicality at times on the floor. Isaac Trout is 6'10", and while he's only listed at about 230 pounds and he isn't Charles Oakley or anything like that, 6'10 is 6'10". And you get him to to come into Omaha and bust his ass in the weight room, tap into that physical mindset. He could help in that department. But the big one is he can shoot the three. So one addition, Trout, helps check a box and address a need, which is three-point shooting. And you could say depth as well, so maybe two boxes. Plus, he's an in-state kid. He's from Grand Island, which is always an added bonus and makes a difference. And then with the departures of basically the three point guards on the roster, and obviously Nemhard, Shreve Mitchell, and Ben Stoltzberg, Creighton really needs to address the point guard spot, ball handling, passing, and ideally shooting with filling these scholarships for next year. If Creighton goes out and gets you know, two point guards, a point guard and a combo guard, or maybe two combo guards, that's great. And when, you, and when you look at it, Ryan Emhard played about 35 minutes a game and did the lion's share of the ball handling and distributing. Ryan Emhard led Creighton in minutes and led Creighton in assists. Nemhard played 45 more minutes than the next highest J, which was Baylor Shireman, who was second on the team. And Ryan Nemhard had 54 more assists than the next highest Blue Jay, which of which was Shireman again, who was second on the team. So it's a big void that you are trying to fill. But Creighton has can have multiple guys they can add to fill those numbers in that void. Not to mention you could have Trey Alexander slide over and run the point, handle the ball, all those kinds of things. But I'm talking about the additions, the new guys that could be coming in. So with all those things in mind, here's some targets that have been reported that Creighton is on that you should keep an eye on over the next handful of days, maybe the next week. The first one is Stephen Ashworth, Utah State transfer. Now, he's in the transfer portal because his coach, Ryan Odom, left Utah State to take the BCU job. But He's from Utah State, and he was the guy, the man for Utah State this year. Best player on the team, leading scorer, the guy depended on night in and night out to lead the way. 16 points per game for Ashworth, and he can really shoot it. 
43% three-point shooter. Ashworth made 111 threes this season. To put that into perspective, to put that into perspective, 111 made threes, 111 three-point field goals made, that would rank second all-time at Creighton in a single season. Kyle Korver has the single-season record with 129 made threes. But 111 made threes, which is what Ashworth made this year, would be number two all-time in program history. Think about that now. For a for a program that has kind of been known as, as three-point shooter you and, and all those sorts of things, uh, Ashworth just made 111 threes this year for Utah State. That would be number two all-time single season at Creighton. Rogge is currently at number two with 110, followed by Corver again with 100, then Tyshawn Alexander with 97, Doug McDermott with 96, and then Marcus Foster and Mitch Ballock are tied with 95. But I hope, I hope that I just wanted to kind of frame it in, in a way to give Creighton fans here a perspective just how big time 111 made threes is. That's a lot. And he did it shooting 43%. Ashworth is also a really good passer. Four and a half assists per game. He's got 158 assists and only 59 turnovers on the season this last year. So smart with the ball, good passer, good assist to turnover ratio. And like I said, and I think this matters, he was the man for Utah State, a team that went 26-9, and made the NCAA tournament as a 10 seed, and almost beat a very talented Missouri team. Ashworth was consistent. He was double figures, 31 of the 35 games this year. And he's, he also was capable of big nights. He scored 20 or more points seven times. Plus, he's like 24, 23, 24, 25 years old. He went on a two-year mission and then played three years at Utah State. So he's an older, mature guy, which I like and I value. Now, I will say, you watch him on tape. And you look at how he's li- you look at his his what he's listed at. He's only listed at six foot one, one seventy. Six one, one seventy. And I would say he doesn't look very big. That might be generous. And he's also not necessarily super explosive. So I, I I certainly don't want to paint him out to be the second coming of Isaiah Thomas or something like that, but he's pretty freaking good, man. And in my opinion, of the realistic available guys in the portal that have been reported as legitimate targets for Creighton, I think he's, if not at the top of the list, he's at he's near it. And Ashworth checks a lot of boxes, man. Three-point shooting, check. Passing and ball handling, check. Experience, check. High IQ, smart, check. So he's one guy to keep an eye on. Next guy to keep an eye on is Andrew Rohde. He was a freshman at St. Thomas this year out of the Summit League. Rohde was, as a true freshman, was first team all Summit League. He was the Summit League freshman of the year. He averaged 17 points per game, just a tick under four rebounds a game and three assists per game. Now, if you remember, Blue Jay fans got a glimpse of Rohde in the home opener this year when St. Thomas came to Omaha and gave Creighton a scare in the first game of the season. Rhodey led St. Thomas in scoring that night with 15 points. And it's funny, 
I was so I did that game on TV, and I was talking to the St. Thomas staff before the game during warmups. I was right under the the St. Thomas basket as they were warming up, and I was talking to their coaching staff. And the coaching staff they were raving about Rody, raving about him, almost like they couldn't believe they were able to land him. Because keep in mind, St. Thomas had just transitioned from Division Three to Division One. They had not been Division One for very many years. I think this was only their second year. You know, and they're in the Summit League. Like they, they couldn't believe they were able to land him. And they, I want to be cl- clear, they didn't say this. The staff didn't say this, but I got the sense from from some of the coaches that they were like, "Man, this this dude, see that dude right there, Rody." He's way better than a Summit League player. I just, that, I'll never forget that conversation. And that that chat was top of mind as I kind of then went and to put on the headset to call the game. As I was like, well, I'm going to take a look at this roadie dude. And I was incredibly impressed with his college debut. I mean, think about it. In front of, in front of 17,000 fans against a preseason top 10 team, first ever college game, dude went toe-to-toe with Creighton's guards and wasn't phased at all. I left like, man, this roadie guy's pretty good. So it's not surprising to see the freshman season he had at St. Thomas. And it's just funny to think about seeing him at the start of the year. He's in the portal. Creighton has expressed some interest in him. And we'll see what happens. He's a bigger combo guard. He's about 6'6", 190. He can handle the ball. He can play off the ball. He's long, lean, tough. He's smart. He just knows how to play. He's not really a true point guard, but he can handle it. He's a he's a, he's a true combo guard. Now, I will say he's not a great shooter. He did make 56 threes, which I guess I'm going to keep doing this. Just put things into perspective for Jays fans as they listen and just relate it to Creighton. He, so, Rody made 56 threes, which for perspective, Ryan Nemhard made 53 threes this season. So, that just a little perspective. But, Rody only shot 32% from three, which isn't great. But, he's an 81% free throw shooter, and his shot, his mechanics, it looks good. So, I think... I look at that free throw line. I look at his mechanics. I'm like, he looks like a guy whose percentage could it, he could improve. Plus, Rody shot 53% from two-point range, which is pretty good for a, for a guard. So he can be an efficient scorer. He had 113 assists on the season, which is only nine fewer than Shireman had this year. So again, to put it in perspective of, of what he did distributing the ball. So he can pass, too. I like Rody quite a bit. Just a guy that knows how to play, great IQ. He's got good size at that guard spot at 6'5", 6'6", in that area. He just he checks a lot of the boxes, again, that we talked about that Creighton's going to try to address here with this opportunity with a bunch of scholarships to give, and they're in the portal and can try to go grab a few guards. Can add depth with a guy like Rody. You can add another ball handler with a guy like Rody. You can add some size to the backcourt with a guy like Rody. All very positive things. The next guy to keep an eye on is Taryn Armstrong. I will say he's the one guy that I I, I have a much better feel for Ashworth and Rody than I do Armstrong. He's originally from Australia, but Armstrong is a Cal Baptist transfer. Cal, da- Cal Baptist is in the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference, and he just finished his sophomore year there. He was the WAC freshman of the year as a freshman, 
and he was second-team All-WAC this year. His numbers were 11 points per game, four rebounds a game, and five assists per game. He's another guy that's got great size at that point guard spot at about 6'6", and what he does best is pass. His assist numbers are impressive. He led the WAC in assists, and he's got 329 assists in two seasons at Cal Baptist. Again, to put that into perspective for Creighton fans, 329 assists in two seasons. To to give that perspective, he would currently be on pace to shatter Ryan Sears' all-time assist, assist record at Creighton. So he, he's, he can pass that thing. But he's got great size. He's a really gifted passer. Another guy, not a great three-point shooter. He's a career in two years. He's about a 30% three-point shooter, which isn't great, but he can really pass it. But still, good size, 6'6 point guard, got really good vision. And I think one thing that makes him intriguing is that he's he's an accomplished guy on the international stage. He played for and led Australia's national team. Uh, for his age group, he's he's got good international experience. And listen, he's down to some you know, some heavy hitters. It's Creighton, it's Providence, it's Xavier, uh, it's Gonzaga, I believe. Might even be Georgetown. And he he's got he's got some some very good programs after him. But Armstrong checks a lot of the boxes that we've talked about and laid out. Good size at that guard spot. Ball handling, passing, check, check. So those are kind of the three main targets being reported and talked about that Creighton has gone in the portal after Nemhard has, has departed. And I just want to give a little snapshot on, on each guy. Now, that's not to say those are the only three guys that Creighton's on. I just feel like those are the three main ones. I mean, other guys like Hunter Salas, Latrell Reitzel, I think are both legitimate targets. Um, but I just think the three that are on the top of the of the list are are those three guys that just laid out. And you know, Hunter Salas is is a little different. It's his situation's different because Hunter Salas is not a point guard, right? Like he he's not a a combo guard. He's a true wing. And so I just think Salas is different than Armstrong and Ashworth and Andrew Rody. He's different than those guys. But you know, don't don't get it twisted. Salas is is really good and a guy that I know Creighton fans would love to see in a Creighton uniform. But I'm just not sure, at least right now in the moment. I'm not sure with Trey Alexander still there and Baylor Shireman still there and Arthur Kaluma still there and all right now in this moment, I'm not sure there's a great fit from a personnel standpoint from just a role perspective because I would think this is just me I would think if you're Hunter Salas you you just left a bench role at Gonzaga where you were coming off the bench I'd imagine he's not looking to hit the portal and find the same kind of role right like I don't think he wants to go from coming off the bench at Gonzaga to coming off the bench at Nebraska or Creighton where he's playing 10 12 15 18 minutes a game which at least on paper right now would most likely be what it is for him at Creighton. But certainly things can change. And I like Salas. I do. But we'll see. 
So to sum it up here, my, my first kind of thought here, like, like I said at the outset, I think Creighton's got a real chance to address some holes and weaknesses and deficiencies with these three remaining open scholarships right now. And who knows, depending on who you get, maybe when all the dust settles, you're like, you can legitimately have a conversation of like, is Creighton better? Is their roster better right now than it was if they just had Nemhart? I know that sounds crazy right now, but there's a version of all this, how it all shakes out, where you go, maybe. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. But Creighton's got a real opportunity here to address some of the weaknesses with those three remaining scholarships right now. Need a point guard, obviously, but you got to improve your depth. Creighton was 351st in the country in bench minutes this year. Their bench production was atrocious. you got to improve your depth. I thought UConn, I'm usually not a huge bench depth guy, but, I, man, I thought UConn, I thought one of the biggest reasons UConn won the title was their depth. I mean, yes, it was it was Sunogo and Hawkins and what those two guys were able to do. But to me, the, the fact that UConn was able to bring in Donovan Klingon and Joey Calacatera and Naheem Aline and Hassan Diara. And, you know, the fact they were to bring in just guy after guy after guy is important. And the fact that Creighton didn't have that luxury hurt him. But you got to improve your depth. And I think you got to improve your consistent three point shooting. It'd be nice to add a shooter here. And then maybe even some positional size, if possible. But I just, I think Nebraska, I think, excuse me, I think Creighton has a big opportunity to improve their overall roster, even though they just lost a two-year starter at point guard. Let me shift to, to Nebraska. Sticking with hoops. Going from Creighton to to Nebraska. Because obviously Nebraska and Fred Hoiberg have a lot of work to do and, and holes to fill in the transfer portal with the with losing Sam Griesel and Derek Walker and, and Emmanuel Bandamel. And you know, it's been interesting to observe it over the past month here with a with a handful of Nebraska guys in the portal, former in state kids in the portal. Over the past month, you've seen Isaac Trout hit the hit the transfer portal. He goes to Creighton. You've seen John Tanji, he was from Omaha Central, was at Colorado State. He hits the transfer portal. I know there was inches from Nebraska and from Creighton. He is headed to Missouri. Then Latrell Reitzel Jr. from Omaha Central. He's 
been at Cal State Fullerton. He has hit the transfer portal. And, of course, like we've been talking about, Hunter Salas is a, the biggest name in, in the portal in terms of in-state kids. And so, you know, you've watched these in-state guys hit the portal, and you view it from a Nebraska perspective. You go, okay, I know Nebraska wanted Trout, but Creighton got him. I know Nebraska wanted Tanji, Missouri got him. And I know Nebraska really wants Latrell Reitzel and Hunter Salas. And certainly Hunter Salas is a huge name, former McDonald's All-American five-star recruit. So Nebraska's lost out on the first couple of in-state kids in the portal, Trout and, and Tanji. And I'm sure Hoiberg would love to land one of these last two or maybe even both former in-state kids in the portal. And I've just, as I've watched this over the last month and I've just been thinking about it, I was I was thinking about the whole in-state thing for Nebraska basketball. And I know we always get into these debates, whether it's with football or with basketball, of, you know, does the in-state recruit thing matter? Like, some fans are like, yeah, it matters. Some are like, I don't care where a guy's from, just as long as I can play, get the best players. I thought last year, with Sam Greasel was really eye-opening into how much it can impact things to have a local in-state kid wearing a Nebraska jersey. Now, Creighton is more used to this because over the years, Creighton's had way more in-state players on their roster playing big roles. But it hasn't quite been like that for Nebraska. But Sam Greasel last year, in my opinion, the fact that he was a local kid from Lincoln, there was a little more juice around the program and a little more energy around the program in PBA and with the fans. There was a little something more. Now, the hard part is, was that just because it was it was Sam Greasel? Meaning, what was it because Greasel was just a special individual who really embraced what we're talking about here, embraced that Nebraska pride thing and all of that? Or is there something to having a prominent player in your rotation, being a Nebraska in-state kid, that kind of matters for the overall energy of the program? I think the answer is probably a combination of those two things or somewhere in the middle of those two things that I just laid out. But I have just found myself, after this Sam Greasel season, feeling like, man, if Nebraska can find another in-state kid that can play, not just saying take a kid to take a kid, but if Nebraska can find another in-state kid that can play. It's worth trying really hard to do all you can to go get them. Okay, warning. Let me preface all this with what I'm about to say here. And I don't even know if this warrants a preface and a warning all that stuff. What I'm about to say may come off as kind of harsh to Nebraska basketball or mean to Nebraska basketball. And I don't really mean it for it to come off like that. 
But Nebraska basketball, I think, has lacked a bunch of things beyond just winning, right? It's easy to point to winning. But they've lacked a couple of, of things beyond just winning. I think they've lacked a player or players that the fan base has truly just loved and revered and the and the player has loved and wrapped their arms around the fans. I don't think there's been that great, like, true connection between a player, a group of players, and the fans. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure who who's the most popular Nebraska basketball player over the last decade. Isaiah Roby? Siobhan Shields, James Palmer, Glenn Watson, Ty Webster, Bryce McGowan's, come on. I, who, I don't know. All those guys, you know, all those guys I think were good players. It's not about that. I, all those guys I think were good players. But I wouldn't say I felt like this deep, really deep-rooted bond both with them and the fans, them and the program, the program and them, the fans and the and and the like I never felt like that kind of bond where you flash them up on the jumbotron and the place loses its fucking mind kind of a connection. I don't know if I felt that. And let me tell you, Husker fans, you feel that at other places. You feel that with certain players at other places. That's a thing. And I'd argue that for one year, Sam Greasel felt just as popular or maybe even more than a lot of those two, three, four-year guys that we just listed off. There was a connection there. I think Nebraska has lacked that. Now, what does that mean? How does that manifest itself into wins and and getting off that NCAA tournament victory schneid? Like, I don't know. I got to start with little victories and little things. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to, to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little bite-sized, delicious, all-white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. Great for a snack, great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. But I think what goes hand-in-hand with that is I think Nebraska is also, and I've talked about this, but I think Nebraska has also lacked just a little bit of pride. And not just the pride that comes from winning and a winning tradition and a winning program, but the pride of someone that truly loves the Nebraska basketball program and wearing the in on their chest. 
I've talked about this, but I think Sam Greasel was massively important in this regard. He brought pride into playing for Nebraska. He talked about it and verbalized it all the time. I think it had to have felt good for Nebraska basketball fans to hear a Nebraska basketball player say, this is my dream. This is my childhood dream to play and wear a Nebraska basketball, put that jersey on. It had to have felt good for Nebraska basketball fans to hear someone, a player, publicly profess their love and admiration and pride for Nebraska basketball. That had to have felt good. So again, I don't I don't mean for those comments to come off as harsh or rude. And as I said them, I don't think they they are. I think they're I think you guys all probably are nodding in agreement with me. But I, I definitely think you guys get the spirit of what I'm saying here. And I just thought Sam Greasel hit both those areas in a big way. And I thought it made a difference. Now the question is, was that a was that just Greasel's thing? Or can that be an in-state player thing? Because not every in-state player has that same emotion and feeling that Greasel had, that level of pride and also willing to verbalize it and all those things. Not everybody feels like that. So I don't know. But I just close my eyes and I put myself inside Pinnacle Bank Arena. I'm sitting courtside. I'm putting on my headset. I'm getting ready to call a Nebraska basketball game on FS1 or or BTN. And imagine the crowd of Pinnacle Bank Arena or the student section at Pinnacle Bank Arena if you hear this. That guard, a 6'5 junior from Omaha, Nebraska, number five. Hunter Salas. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be that that roar would be pretty good, man. So I was just, I was just thinking about this this element as I've seen a lot of Nebraska guys get in the portal, Greasel being a Nebraska in-state kid comes back like just have been thinking about that. This year was more fun to root for Greasel. It like it just was. So after the year Sam Greasel had and the impact he had on the court and with the fan base and seeing the the in-state kids in the portal, I think it would be big for Nebraska to land one of them. Not just because of the fact they're good players, but because of everything I just laid out. Nebraska, you you need that wave of energy. And I think some of those in-state guys can help that. So we'll see what happens. One one last quick thought. Thinking about Nebraska basketball. So obviously a big story to continue to watch and and monitor is the the decision from Kasei Tominaga whether or not he's going to return to Nebraska. Obviously, you remember he went through senior night uh, but left the door open to return. And... You know, obviously, we all know Kasei Tominaga exploded in the final month of the season. He was incredible. But I I was thinking about Tominaga. 
don't undersell how vital Derek Walker was to Tominaga's success. I'm, I was trying to think of an analogy or something like that. Like, uh, Derek Walker was like that great quarterback unlocking a slot wide receiver or something like that. And then that, that slot receiver goes to a different quarterback and all of a sudden they're not even close to the same. It's almost like basically Tom Brady and then fill in the blank any sort of slot receiver that was, whether it's Chris Hogan, Wes Welker or something like all of a sudden they're not with Brady and their, their production drops significantly. I don't know if it'll if it would quite be like that, but the spirit of my point is there. Derek Walker's ability to pass and read at the that five spot from the top of the key when when they would run the five out stuff really really maximized Kasey Tominaga. Because when you look at Tominaga, Tominaga is the kind of guy that can score twenty points and take like three or four dribbles total, which is great. But that also shows you that not only is his not only is it his elite movement off the ball that frees himself up, right? The cutting and all that all those things, but someone has to make those passes to him to score without dribbling. And that someone was Derek Walker. I did in in February, I did a uh, I was doing some stuff for the Big Ten network where I, I, I would do some film room breakdown things. I did one for Trace Jackson Davis, and I, I, I did a BTN digital film room breakdown of Kasei Tominaga and how he scores. And it was remarkable to really dive into film and watch it. And one of my biggest takeaways that I already knew, but it just diving into film reaffirmed it even more so, was, wow, Derek Walker was the guy that unlocked Tominaga. Those two had not good chemistry, not great chemistry, excellent, excellent chemistry. I say that to say sometimes in college basketball, when you have to rebuild and retool your roster, which is almost every year now with all the the lack of continuity with people transferring in and out and all those kinds of things. Sometimes in college basketball, when you got to rebuild and retool your roster, you can rebuild with a couple of schools of thought in mind. You can either, A, just go get the best players available and figure it out later. That's one way to do it. You could, B, have a goal in mind in what you want to address collectively with your roster. For example... Last year, Fred Hoiberg wanted to address toughness and positional size. And he did that in picking up Greasel, Bandamel, and Gary. That's another way. Or C, you can use the blueprint of the team that you just had that had a little bit of success and try to find guys that fit the mold of a previous player you had. I think to a certain extent, if Tominaga is going to stay, Fred Hoiberg better use option C to a little bit in rebuilding this roster, meaning he better find a Derek Walker type player. Now you're not I mean Derek Walker is a really rare type of guy to find. But ideally it would be nice if Hoiberg could find a five man who is skilled that can pass it from that high post position where you can run some of that five-out stuff 
and you can let Tominaga do his movement without the ball because if you're not going to do that, I do not think you're going to get as effective of a case hey, Tominaga. Which, as we saw in the final month of the season, is like a 20-point-per-game guy. So it is important. So I believe to fully maximize Tominaga, you need to find a Derek Walker, Derek Walker kind of a player that can really, really find Tominaga as he moves and cuts off the ball. Just a thought I was having as I'm thinking about the portal and thinking about, you know, filling holes both for Creighton and Nebraska. Just a thought. All right, that'll do it. Of course, uh, I'll be ready as any portal news breaks for major additions for, you know, Creighton, Nebraska, and all that stuff. Also, be on the lookout. Uh, Going to tape another Nebraska football pod with uh, former Husker Bo Rude. That's going to be coming as well, so that'll be on the pod feed. Make sure you subscribe to it so that pod is waiting for you when you're ready to to listen. Uh, so there you go. Shout out to Pella and Runza, incredible partners. Uh, and shout out to you, the listeners. Appreciate you. We'll catch you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. A Heard at Sports Network production. <laughs>